Welcome to Life on the Watercrest Line. In this series, we follow the activities of the line throughout the year. We go behind the scenes and see all aspects of the operation. In this episode, I talk to some of the people who are responsible for making the Watercrest Line happen for you and me. It's a very windy day here at Ropley, and I'm talking to David Mead about how he became involved with the Watercrest Line. How did you originally get involved with the Midhance? Well, I originally got involved before the Midhance Railways actually opened. I got involved back in the early 70s when a proposal came up to close the railway from Orton all the way to Winchester, which is the Midhance Railway. And a gentleman called Charles Lewis and I, we met outside uh, what was the Gaumont uh, Theatre in those days, near the Mayflower in Southampton. And uh, Charles said to me, British Railways want to close the line, and I feel so we should be saved. And I said, I agree. So what he did, um, he said, we're going to have a share issue, the Mid-Hance Railway, and it's going to be called the Winchester and Autumn Railway Company. So a share issue was made up in order to save the railway. But unfortunately, during the 70s, we had the three-day week, we had austerity in the country, and the full amount of shares never reached the, uh, the required amount. So consequently, it had to be reissued, and it was decided to reopen the railway in sections from Orsford to Ropley, and then Ropley up to Medstead, and then Medstead to Orton. Unfortunately, um, the portion from Orsford down to Winchester had to be abandoned, mainly due to the M3 motorway uh, wanting to cross the path of the Midhance Railway. And I'm afraid the road lobby in those days uh, won the battle there. Thank you very much. I'm talking to Steve Crowther about how she started with the railway. So how did you get involved in the first place? I came to West Sussex, I used to live in Selsey, to take my first secondary headship there and my husband came with me. He had been a cricket player so all our weekends had been taken up in Cambridgeshire playing cricket. He decided he was probably too old to train another cricket team to his little foibles so needed to do something else. He was under my feet at weekends. It was impossible. Words had been spoken. So we went off on our motorbike and toured around West Sussex and Hampshire and on a, on a weekend to see what was there and came across a sign that said Midtance Railway. So we went and ended up at Alsford and were made to feel welcome. And they said, there's a welcome day coming up. You could find out more if you'd like to. And because my husband had had a misspent youth in Lancashire with a shunting yard at the bottom of his grandma's garden where he used to go shunting in the evening with a can of tea for the driver instead of doing his homework, reintroducing him to steam trains was the answer. So he volunteered, I volunteered. That was 1991. And so up until Neil died in 2007, we both volunteered and I just carried on. 
And when you volunteered, you started, you said, as a porter? I started as a porter at Medstead and Four Marks. You always started as a porter at Medstead and Four Marks in those days. But quite quickly we were invited to train as signalmen, which we did, a training course. I was promoted to be station foreman and then station inspector. And the then operating manager needed somebody to go down to Alsford where the then station master hadn't been well. So a couple of station inspectors from Medstone and Formarks were drafted down to Alsford to fill a gap. And I was asked the very important question for my station master's exam. Can you do crowd control? I said, I'm a secondary head in Worthing. I have 1,500 adolescents in my school. Can I do crowd control? I think so, said the operating manager. So eventually my colleague came back to the Alton end because he lived in Alton and it was easier for him. I stayed at Alsford and I've been there ever since, building, I hope, a good team. I think we've got a lovely team now and it's, it's been a joy. Our conversation continued as we discussed the professionalism of those who work the railway. You said everybody started at Medstead and Formarks as a porter, which kind of suggests that Medstead and Formarks was viewed in those days as a very, very minor station. Whereas, of course, at the moment... Oh, absolutely. It's the pinnacle of the line in all respects. <laughs> yes, in, in those days, on a long summer one-train service, porters could do a little like gardening in between trains and polish things and... In my case, right, my masters. Yeah, um, in the in those days, the view was you you start them off somewhere simple, and if they don't actually make a mess of it, then they might be allowed to go somewhere else. And I think it did have some advantages in that everybody one met had been new there at some point. But it was, I think, more cliquey, perhaps in those days. The people at Ropley had worked at Ropley for a long time, and if you appeared there. There was a slightly raised eyebrow as to, oh well, Medstead, well there we are. I'd like to think that that has broken down and we do encourage our staff. They have an identity to a station, which is good because that builds the team spirit, but we encourage them to take turns on other stations as well, so that in an emergency I could send one of my team up to Medstead or across to Ropley and they would know where things were and what the you know the differences are on those stations no well that's very important well it is absolutely from your work as a teacher you will know that to have people who could do things in in a moment of crisis yes is essential it is it's absolutely essential and i think one of the things taking my my mhrps hat off and, and station mastering over the last 10 years the staff training on the operational side has become better and better There is a really robust training regime with opportunities for those who want them, because not everybody does, to progress, to learn new skills. And there is a regular retesting. There always has been for signalmen and guards, but there is now for for platform staff, which gives them a sense of value. It's not just a, oh, we toodle up and wander around the platforms and wave our arms about a bit. There is a purpose. And the words safety critical mean something. And I think that helps to get away from the, oh, I do a bit of volunteering, it's a bit casual, the day's nice, I don't have to go. I'm doing a safety critical job. They expect me to be there, I will be there. And I think that's the mindset that the vast majority of our operational volunteers have because they see the point. 
That gets over the issue that a lot of organisations have, which is commitment. Yes, indeed. Because you're building the commitment subconsciously with them. Yes, yes. And, yeah, there, things will happen. One of my staff rang me last night and said, look, I'm really sorry, family illness. I don't think I'm going to be able to, to make it on Sunday. Are you going to be able to cope? I will come in if I have to, but I've got to take my wife to hospital. No, it's fine. We'll manage. Somebody else rang in and said, oh, I'm free on Sunday. Can I come in? I need to do my annual rules test. I'd like to get it in right at the beginning. Come on in. But that's a difference too, because when I started, we didn't have an annual train dispatch assessment. We do it every year. Do we know how to send trains off safely? And when it was introduced, some of my old timers, catch me doing a church, I know how to dispatch a train, what do you mean? Now, when do I do my TDA? Haven't done it yet this year. When's there going to be somebody on who can assess me? Need to get that done, which is a big change of mindset and I think is very very positive with safety becomes very essential absolutely yeah yeah I'm in the signal box at Arlesford talking to Jim Russell. One of the units that the Watercrest line has is the Hampshire unit. It's a two-car diesel unit, which I know for some purists might not be the type of thing you'd expect with a heritage steam railway, but it has connections. Uh, it does indeed have connections. Uh, it's um, arguably the only piece of indigenous rolling stock the railway possesses. These units ran the mid-hand service from 1957 and, until the line closed in 1973. Uh, our particular unit, 1125, was actually on the third to last BR train uh, on this line and it, it left this line on the 4th of February 1973 and it didn't come back till May 2004. So those units were used in the less busy lines or...? Uh, well, no, that's, that's not strictly true. Uh, certainly on the mid-hands, they were so successful that capacity became a problem. They, they, they were built as two-car units uh, initially, and they had to put a centre coach in them, which was problematic on the mid-hands with its gradients, but they were very successful in arresting the declining passengers. Aha! An engine The Hampshire unit, therefore, really did have something, and even in the British Railways days, that brought it to this line. What brought it back? Oh, gosh, what brought it back? Well, the uh, the leasing company that inherited them uh, on privatisation of, of British Railways was Porterbrook Leasing. And, uh, and bear in mind, these units had a design life of 15 years, and the uh, the, the idea was the lines they operated over would either have been electrified or closed by the time their lifespan was up. Well, these did over 47 years on the main line. And when their day came, Porterbrook um, made them available to uh, Heritage Railways. And uh, we, we were offered 11.25, which um, I, I was involved for bringing it here. We were delighted to accept. Uh, and it worked from Sellers to Alton under its own power. The uh, mainline crew got out and we got in and drove it through the gate and it's been here, been here ever since.
Is it easy to maintain? Are parts available if they're needed, or does it just run and run and run? Uh, well, their reliability record is, is second to none. Parts are a problem. We're fortunate that we've actually got a spare engine out of a Class 73 locomotive, which is principally the same, uh, uh, the same better kit. But no, parts are a, a, a challenge, always a challenge, yeah. But you believe it will still be running here for a good few years yet? Uh, I'd certainly like to think so. There's been enough hours gone into it, uh, so we, we'd like to think so. But uh, the, it's the whilst I had a, ha- a big hand in bringing it here, it's actually owned by the charity, uh, the governing charity of the railway, and it, it needs a, a full body overhaul. But like everything else, it, it's competing for, for funding and it has to take its turn. So yes, I'd like to think it, it will keep going. Thank you very much. I'm with David Mead and we're talking about his role in the booking office. Yes, I'm David Mead and I'm Chief Clerk for the Midhance Railway and I look after the ticket stocks and I also serve tickets and I also do some training. When you say you look after the ticket stocks, does that mean that you have to liaise with printers? Well, we still keep to the old Edmondson car tickets, which is traditional, as you probably know, and we have them printed by the West Somerset Railway. And so what we do, when we're getting low, we have to do an inventory and allow the, the Midhance Railway PLC to put the official order in to West Somerset Railway and they will eventually print them and then they come back to me and then I have to sort them all in bundles of 50 and make sure the numerical numbers are in the correct order, starting from 0000 and goes up to 9999. How often, roughly, do you have to have a print run? I normally get adult uh, day rover tickets, and we hope that would last us uh, two years. But we also, of course, have to distribute these tickets not only at Orsford, but to Rockley Booking Office, Medstead Booking Office and Alton Booking Office. Uh, We also have a lot of intermediate uh, tickets printed, and we also, of course, have various nominations, for example, child tickets, we have disabled tickets, BR-priv tickets members tickets and we have family tickets it doesn't stop there actually because we also um, have special day tickets as well it sounds quite complicated on a normal day when you're in the booking office what do you enjoy most well i enjoy meeting the people of course and the customers and serving the tickets and it's always good to have a short chat if you can explain the workings of the railway and what they're going to see we also have a, a day sheet leaflet which we give out and these people can uh, buy their tickets from me and then they can study where they want to go. Most of the tickets are all day tickets and they can travel as many times as they wish at no extra charge and they can get off at any of the intermediate stations. When you say most of the tickets are all day tickets, do people sometimes buy just a return or a single? Yes, we have singles to autumn, we have singles to any intermediate station. We do have a very small number per year do buy singles from Orsford to Orton where they transfer to the rail uh, services up to London Waterloo so in that case as they're not coming back they buy single tickets. It just seems very strange to use a heritage railway to get to the main line. Well we used to have quite a big American market years ago 
uh, they used to do self-guided uh, tours and a lot of these self-guided tours ended up at Orsford and the following day or that day they would want to go to places like Heathrow Airport or Gatwick Airport and they'd come to us as a railway station and we sell them single tickets. So most of the single tickets we sell are people who are perhaps going to meet somebody at the other end of the journey or they may just want to have a, a short train ride and come back by bus or we do do um, sell tickets, single tickets to people who like hiking and walking. Quite often people like to walk from Medicine and Four Marks back to Autumn and also Rockley back to um, Orsford. So single tickets are sold. Thank you very much. This podcast is published by the Mr T Podcast Studio. Thank you.